0: hosts i am brian and i am aaron we're at hair metal memories iowa at gmail.com or you can message us on facebook um thanks again for the emails and messages we greatly appreciate it all the time this uh yeah it's amazing oh my gosh thank you uh and especially this time a huge thank you to jeff wagner oh man i'm having a fanboy moment about this man. yeah yeah uh you tell this story because you knew who jeff was
1: well what yeah um
0: I listened to SiriusXM uh-huh. for many years, and we got we we got an email from the Jeff Wagner like complimenting one of our episodes and stuff. Is, is where this and, is coming. And yes, this and, we, and that, we mentioned that's the face. end
1: point of the story, yeah. and now we're going to Tarantino like go back to the beginning and right. fill it in. Um, <laughs> so what it is is uh, uh, there was a there's a show on the Liquid Metal station that I really enjoyed called the Bloody uh, Bloody Roots, mm-hmm. and uh, Ian Christie. Uh, who is the host would go through these really awesome little lessons about the history of metal. And one time he's talking about progressive metal and his, his guest was a guy named Jeff Wagner. Okay. And it was a great two part thing about the history of progressive metal uh, and it was great that it was in two parts, properly prog-like, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, I was just really sold on it. And they talked about this book, uh, about Jeff's book, Mean Deviation for prog- uh, Four Decades of Progressive Heavy Metal. Mm-hmm. And I I, inst- I, ordered it instantly yeah. and read it and just kind of sat there freaking out. And, like, I had a little notepad with me going, okay, go find this band, go find this band, go find this band. Yeah. Uh, I love books like that. Which I yeah. have been doing since then. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it turns out uh, Jeff also does a podcast called Radical Reading research that is fantastic that kind of talks about the cool fringy ends of metal mm-hmm. uh, there was a great episode about like the the mid period post messiah mark Cole and candle mass albums and i got really into that one that was just wow. fantastic They right the newest episode is about voivod who are just oh, cool. one of the most wonderful wonderful bands ever yeah uh i i saved the last 30 minutes of it because i didn't want to listen to the whole thing in one shot i wanted to like parse it out because it's so fun yeah you know uh (laughs) savor it like a like a nice steak (laughs) but anyway yes uh jeff reached out to us uh in a in a very appreciative and uh, thoughtful uh message that we're incredibly thankful for and uh yeah we received copies of his book, uh, about fate's warning because yeah. he heard us mention fate's warning. And, yeah.
0: and I love fate. I'm, I'm a late comer to fate's warning, but like, uh, I listened to their discography not too long ago. Cause you would recommend it actually. And, when I and, was, uh, when I
1: was 16, I went uh, out and bought a copy of, a uh, 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 Awaken the Guardian And kind of freaked out Because I was like yeah. What the hell is yeah. this This sounds like Yes but they're metal
0: Yeah and I had, <sighs> I had read A book about Rush That had It was like a conversation like Different conversations About Rush And one of the guys In that book Was from Fate's Warning and But I hadn't listened To the music much Was it so, Jim Mathios It was yeah it was, Of course yeah. it was Jim Mathios Yeah and, and so And then when I started Listening to Fate's Warning They had uh, They started out Like covering Rush <laughs> you know? Right Like and, pretty early they're it's a like a fantastic
1: that, band I don't yeah, know how many Of our band. listeners are also into like yeah. kind of like the metal stuff yeah. you know beyond beyond our, our normal topics but uh
0: yeah but it's a uh, yeah a lot of that is the the, the the whole point of that is it's so cool to meet people through music because uh, yes
1: this is amazing yeah there's, there's so many of you who've reached out to us yeah. including like yeah other people who like do shows and stuff so that's crazy I, I yeah I'm just incredibly appreciative for all of you reaching out in whatever way you yeah, know. it
0: feels like we're sitting here farting around and then all of a sudden you get some, you know somebody like writes to you and sends you the, their book we just thought it was <laughs> just a, like we, we, about we just a subject
1: this was going to be a few of our sympathetic pals right listening, listening yeah. to us talk about records <laughs> that they were like okay guys get this out of your yeah. system yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is awesome
0: yeah uh i guess i guess sliding back towards hair metal a little bit uh i just got the reissue of extreme three three sides to every story oh, on man. vinyl and and i have to say it sounds amazing uh and especially the side four suite where they bring in the orchestra and all that stuff it is a really well well cut record and it just it it, it sounds amazing well i'm uh, glad so that somebody put some work into it because you know yeah,
1: I, yeah I've, I've been looking for a lot of like reissues yeah. of, the, of the 80s rock and sometimes when you do you find ones that aren't cut that well uh yeah we both bought reissues of empire and you got a way better cut than i did
0: yeah well i lucked out It's real
1: has a lot of Mm -hmm. like inner groove distortion and things like that and your Mm -hmm. copy sounds brilliant
0: it does it's Uh, it's really clean and awesome sounding and so it's one of the things
1: that makes me go why should just go find originals and it's like well (laughs) that's why we don't own a copy of the album we're talking about today (laughs) Right.
0: right yeah 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 yeah, we we were we were just talking earlier. We usually put out like the picture of like uh, the album we're gonna do on right. our Facebook you, you page. Know, if you follow uh,
1: our Facebook, you've seen the pictures yeah. of him and I standing there looking in awe upon vinyl. But
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. this yeah, week that was one. a
1: snag because yep. holy shit!
0: Yep, we don't have that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll figure
1: it out. Bill, if you're listening, um, dude, reissue, please. Yeah, please, <laughs> please, we beg you. Yeah. I don't want to pay triple digits from a third party.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and we're also getting ready uh, this weekend. We're going up to the Hair Metal Festival uh, north of uh, Minneapolis in Hinkley, is in it? In Hinkley. Hinkley, Minnesota. It is full of great bands. It is full of great stuff. And uh, we got media passes for that, uh, which is very weird. We're really excited. We're we can't excited. believe
1: they said yes to it, and yeah. we're really excited they did. Yeah. Uh, so I have no idea what, what to gonna, expect. We're Nope, but we're going to try to yeah. have something for y'all and yeah. not let you down.
0: We're, take, we're taking recording equipment with us. So it does remind
1: hope- me there's a great YouTube channel that you should all watch called The Metal Voice. Uh, And they talk about a lot of the same bands that we talk about in in some other bands that we don't necessarily cover here, but that are great all the same. And I think they're going to be, some of those guys might be there at that too. And uh, yeah, watch their watch their stuff. They're they're really cool, and I'm really glad that uh, I stumbled upon them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have a good time for sure watching all these. Bands. We're gonna see
1: Queensrÿch for the second time.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> I know. I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Yeah, because yeah. you know we we saw yeah. uh in what was it 2016, 17, something yeah. like that, over in Jefferson, Iowa, and they were fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm hoping we get to talk I mean, Brett Michaels is like the big headliner. So like uh it'd be neat that would be like the maximum goal, but we'll we'll see. It would also be I think it'd be cool to like talk to Vixen since we covered The problem him. is they like I know album. that if I
1: talk to Brett Michaels, one of the first things I'm gonna be like is like I, I've I've bought like five copies of Open Up and say, Ah! Oh, I hope that's not weird. <laughs> but I have. <laughs> and I've I've probably had like three or four look with the like cat dragons. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm sorry if that's like strange, but yeah, you know, man, like, but fun records, man. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. So obviously, we're we're dreaming. We may come back with nothing. Who see? Who, Who knows? We'll see. We're well, going to yeah, try we're, for we're you. Excited. We're going to
1: try. We, we were going to try to talk to people when we went to go see Tesla and Bullet Boys. Uh-huh. But then I got there and I was just like, man, I'm really nervous about this because right. who the fuck are we, right? I mean, right, exactly. We're just exactly. Like some dudes coming up to people at the show and being like, hey, yep. guys, do you want to talk? They should tell us to fuck off. I mean, you know. Right. <laughs> that wouldn't be a, an unfair response. Right.
0: Yeah. When I put myself in their shoes, that's what I would do, too.
1: <laughs> so anyways, we're hoping right. that maybe uh, yeah. that's not the case this coming yeah. weekend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We have a contact that we're supposed to talk to and everything. So we'll. Excellent. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how things go. But, uh, we'll let you know what happens uh but today we're here to talk about an album that has been requested by a ton of people a lot of people yeah it's been a, one of our most frequently requested albums probably um tyler mcroberts and alex Roxwald have uh have requested this uh you know like, like tons of people this is uh the debut album from firehouse who i do believe are one of the bands up there
1: this coming weekend.
0: I believe so. I,
1: I think yeah. I saw them
0: on the. Yeah, and I'm, I'm more excited to see them now. Part of
1: me, <laughs> part of me, has only dropped in on the festival page just like a few times, just to yeah. kind of have a vague idea because kind of want some part of me wants to be surprised by some of it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like like the lineup was like crazy good, and it was just sort of like my brain can't really hold it all in, so I'm just not. I'm just gonna be like, right, what this too? What this? Too? <laughs> uh but, but Firehouse got its start in 1984 when uh, guitarist Bill Leverty's band, White Heat, needed a drummer. And after about 20 auditions, uh, drummer Michael Foster answered the ad and impressed Leverty, so he quickly hired him. Uh, when the band wasn't on tour, uh, the, the two guys would like visit rock clubs. And at one of the clubs one night, they caught sight of a band called Mac- Max Mac Warrior.
1: Warrior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is like a, uh, that's a great name. That's a, I love that's a it. Mad, mad Max reference, I think is, is what they were going for there. I know. And because yeah.
1: in my head, I'm, I'm much younger. It makes me think of Homer Simpson and Max Power, which Max, just makes oh, me like yeah. it even more.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and singing for Max Warrior was a guy named C.J. Snare,
1: who also does not play the drums.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an ir- Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's
1: gr- you are the Frank Beard of Firehouse. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the band's bassist was Perry Richardson. Uh, Leverty and Foster were impressed with uh, CJ Snare's vocal ability, and they decided to join forces with them. Uh, As soon as Max Warrior broke up, uh, Leverty sent Snare some of his songs and asked him to sing on his tape. Um, Foster and Leverty were again impressed, so they brought Snare in to be the band's lead singer for a show in Virginia several weeks later. Uh, The three-member group took their tape to Perry Richardson, who was the ex-bassist for Max Warrior, who said he liked it, but he had just made a six-month commitment to the band that he was in at the time. Uh, and all of this is, in my mind, And I'm thinking like, this band has an incredibly long gestation period.
2: <laughs> they really waited for it. I mean, they, I mean this they, is
0: patience. They, they hung back and waited for it. They must have really heard something together that they really thought fit because well, they I mean, were very patient with cultivating it. When you
1: see the history traces back to 1984,
0: I mean... Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And
1: they're a band that, whose first album would argue, arguably arguably i can mm-hmm. say that be in the the, the <laughs> cd era that's yeah there, there's yeah. other bands that started in 84 that
0: yeah yeah they're kind of late tough. into the game so it's kind of uh when uh, when that band commitment was over though richardson and his new bandmates moved to charlotte north carolina and they began recording demos in leverty's bedroom uh they would record all day and then they'd play hotel shows at night to like make money so probably doing covers and stuff like that. I'm gonna guess um, it pays. Yeah, doing doing the club circuit. But uh, since Leverty and Foster's band name of White Heat was trademarked, the band changed their name and they chose Firehouse instead. Uh, and then in December of 1989,
1: I heard somewhere that they picked yeah. Firehouse after the Kiss song, but I can't verify that. Oh, really? That might have been like some kind of like third hand stuff. Okay. If anybody's,
0: ever I didn't heard- see anything about where the name came from. Actually, yeah. You know, and that's one of
1: those things where I either found it in in some online blog or maybe I read it in a rock magazine back when I was a kid, maybe, Mm -hmm. but it's hard for me to find the reference now going back. But I'd heard that. Um, Anybody is free to dispute that claim because...
0: Right. Yeah. This,
1: this is a half dug up memory here that I didn't yeah. really dig into much further we're, for the purposes of this. So
0: we do our best to not spread misinformation, but you know, Well, we're just you know, two guys. I mean we could if you want, <laughs> but
1: but not yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, in uh, so they they became Firehouse, and then in December of 1989, Michael Kaplan of Epi, Epic Records flew to Charlotte, North Carolina, to see a Firehouse show, and he told the band immediately following the performance that they were ready for a record deal. So this is that story, okay, and that's, that's the rock and we, yeah. roll story, you know. And this Michael Kaplan, <laughs> I just I, I,
1: uh-huh. I looked him up, and he, he has uh, quite the interesting history of people that he oh, yeah. has gone and signed. Uh. He's worked for Sony Music and other labels going further back Mm because he has signed such people as – the list is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's a small one. Mm -hmm. It's a sample, but it's kind of all over the map. Uh, Manas Yahoo, the Allman Brothers Band, Genuine, Kebmo, and Firehouse. (laughs) I mean (laughs) – So you know what what that means? Props to him for being able to just see something that he's like – this, yeah. is gonna, this is going to sell.
0: I've seen Modis Yahoo a few times. He's great. <laughs> I
1: mean, because none of those bands really relate to the other I was gonna say, at all when you go yeah, down that list.
0: Yeah, Firehouse are and, one uh, step from Modis Yahoo. <laughs> And the
1: fun side point that is a whole another yeah. discussion that will require some other podcast that yeah. isn't ours is this Michael Kaplan guy who signed Firehouse. He actually... St- Uh, started his his career working for Morris Levy. And Morris Levy was the founder of Roulette Records, which is one of the most... Famous, like, m- mob-run record label stories you'll ever hear, ever. Oh, wow. uh, Tommy James and the Shondells were on that label, and Tommy James has some really interesting stories about some of the people who would be hanging around Roulette Records.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, okay. With this
1: Morris Levy guy. So, just to show the way that music has these weird little spider webs that reach out, is the yeah. guy... Who was the executive producer of the Firehouse record was involved with Morris Levy <laughs> from Roulette Records from decades before. Yeah, fascinating shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and if you guys uh, haven't heard of Modest Yahoo, he is a he's a rabbi who does hip hop, uh, but his band is like a reggae band. Is ba- is kind of it's and it's. it's and, I think and it was he, like
1: the early two thousands when he first. Yeah. Yeah, started yeah. getting noticed. Yeah,
0: it's, he it's he played like all the festivals and stuff. Yes, he, he became huge.
1: There's truly nothing that sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it's, it's a very a it's a very
0: unique thing. It's very interesting. So you know,
1: props for finding yeah. your exact your own exact sound.
0: And he always had a great band, and and he was a very good rapper. And he also, <laughs> but he but he also like would rap about like spiritual things. And it was like, just, it was, and it was just like groovy. It's kind of bonkers. Yeah, when you really, it was really start, weird. yeah,
1: you know, it's like when you explain, explain yeah. Super Mario Brothers to somebody. Yeah. it's bonkers.
0: Yeah, next next, next (laughs) time you're on Spotify, pull up Modest Yahoo. That's
1: how well I derailed this conversation. (laughs) Anyways, back to Firehouse.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, so Michael Kaplan told them they were ready for a record deal. Uh, They went into the studio with David Prater as producer, uh, like pretty quickly. So, I mean, they just leapt right in. And he's somebody Um, I hadn't
1: heard of until we started digging into this. I I was not familiar with David Prater. Now, here's the funny thing. Uh, he, uh, David Prater, who produced this record, one of his early jobs was as a drummer uh-huh. and he was, he drummed for Sam and Dave.
0: Oh yeah, he like, did. And okay, and for Dave, Santana. And the Dave in and Sam
1: and Dave is named Dave Prater.
0: Oh, that's right!
1: Like, holy shit! That's right. How weird is that? You're like, yeah. wow! My first gig clearly told me that I made the right move because the guy yeah. I'm playing, the yeah. guy
0: I'm accompanying, has J- the
1: same name as me.
0: This last weekend, I was in Memphis at the uh, um, Stacks Museum, and I just saw a whole thing about Sam and Dave. So, there you go. So, Dave Prater. Yeah, Dave Prater.
1: This is David Prater. Yeah, uh, and e- yeah. yes. um... This David Prater's production history is, is He's wow. He's pretty interesting all right. too, right. Because uh, I think the guy who engineered this record with him, because I looked up everybody who had a hand in yeah. creating this record.
0: Yeah, um, it's a great I sounding record. I think they record. were
1: kind of... David Prater and his engineer, I think, were kind of yeah. paired and worked on a lot of sim- similar projects together. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, we watched uh, some 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 video of Bill Leverty, the guitar uh-huh. player, being interviewed. And uh, he... In this, they talk about how... David Prater also produced uh, 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 Dream Theater's Images and Words. Mm-hmm. And Mike Portnoy is like, yeah, if you listen, our snare drum sound is the exact same as on the Firehouse record. Because, you know, David Prater had some yeah. heat from having produced yeah. this platinum record. Yeah. And he, so he found his sound. And if you listen to Images and yeah. Words, it has, the snare drum is like the same sound.
0: Yeah, that's pretty Which, cool.
1: Okay, I haven't yeah. listened to Images and Words since I was... It's probably been more than a decade, so I don't really have a lot. There, yeah, but Now I want to neither. just go back and listen to a little bit of it, so I can be like, "Yeah, oh my gosh, it does." Yeah.
0: It worked with Night Ranger.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, and a whole bunch of bands I've never heard of, and I see he was credited as vocals and drums on a uh, Nectar record.
0: Oh really? I yeah. Didn't this see David that. Crater, he okay. was in Nectar, dude. Oh like, man! This is a guy who was in
1: fucking Nectar, and Nectar yeah. is a badass band. Nectar is a badass band, uh, and he produced <laughs> he produced the album uh, Arcade, uh-huh. that was uh, when when Rat oh, yeah. broke up in ninety one. Stephen Piercey had the pre- band Arcade. That's right. and Fred Curry from Cinderella was the drummer in it. Yeah, and yeah, David Prater produced that album. And yeah, he did uh-huh. some uh, uh, Night Ranger, and then Nona Hendrix in the middle of everything.
0: <laughs> and he was inspired to play music. By a 1973 Frank Zappa performance.
1: You know, so, and that just this guy, means that I,
0: sometimes the world works the way it should. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was an interesting tidbit. He was inspired by Zappa and then he ended up like doing all this other stuff. Um, yeah. 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 So, so they got a good producer. That's nectar, dude. That's uh, nectar, that, that blows That's the part that was
1: really blowing my mind. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, yeah. I, well, I guess Sam and Dave is equally cool, but yeah. yeah. Then you went from Sam and Dave, where you yeah. can be like that, that back right. in the pocket drumming, to being in nectar where you're right, you're proggy. In a frog band. Yeah,
0: you don't usually see that kind and of now. Like you're producing versatility, firehouse. right? And now you're producing mean, like a hair metal band. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the
1: universe functions the way it should, and yeah. sometimes the way it should makes no damn sense. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because the guy who engineered it with him, this uh, Doug uh, uh, Oberkircher. Uh, he 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 also was the engineer on the arcade album. He was the okay. engineer on Images and Words. He was the okay. engineer on this. He was so the they're engineer good. Col- they're collaborators so they're kind probably. Of like yeah. A pair here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The I production had to, team. Yeah. And most of the st- of the records yeah. they worked on are the same records. And this David Oberkircher worked on a, uh, a he engineered a, an album by a band called Osibisa. That's a really good,
0: oh, cool I don't know like one. Afrobeat band. Okay.
1: Yeah, so I, I kind of did a little dive into all the people who were involved. Uh, the, <laughs> the assistant engineer, Ellen Fitton, is now like a, a master at one of the big mastering studios. Oh, okay. So yeah, um, there's uh, some pretty cool like wow. heft behind this record. A That's lot of the people who worked on this have worked on a lot of other big things and have gone on to a lot of other big things.
0: Yeah, people who knew what they were doing.
1: Clearly. I mean, (laughs) this is like Sony Columbia, so I mean...
0: Right, yeah, they're not fucking around. Right. Yeah, Uh, that's true. You
1: don't usually think of Columbia as like one of the bigger, like, 80s rock labels. Not really. Like, Electra, Atlantic, stuff like that, but...
0: Yeah, it seems like a weird signing for the time period, but... So, arguably, Epic... Well, I
1: mean, they were on Epic, but that's Sony, Columbia, whatever, the same freaking umbrella. I mean, they kind of had like one of the last big hurrahs of... Yeah, of this particular genre, before it, you know, the fight started happening between sounds. You know, I mean, granted, we've talked about like extreme that was later than this and everything like that, but yeah,
0: they were kind of an outlier,
1: though. They were. Yeah. I mean, they were just kind of different. I guess. Right. Yeah. So yeah, as far as far as this particular sound, this this album kind of represents the last
0: big it really go does. Uh,
1: before Nirvana comes along, which is funny because yeah. I looked into it further and Firehouse actually managed to get top 40 singles for five more years after this album
0: yeah in the u.s they were incredibly it's popular ridiculous. and then yeah. yeah
1: their whole like success in like asia and yeah. stuff
0: yeah yeah right 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 like, yeah to this yeah. day
1: they play like all these like freaking sold out shows in asia and i'll, right. I'll take that okay yeah. yeah whatever i get to go tour asia and yeah. play all these sold out shows and yeah yeah
0: yeah Let's back up just a little bit, though. Yes. We got to talk about the. So they they're, so they so they they worked on their album, and they uh, it, their debut album came out in 1990. It was an immediate success, and making them stars pretty much overnight. So, so all that patience that they did while forming, like, paid off. Um, the album went double platinum in the United States, and gold in Canada, Japan, and Singapore. Uh, spawned four singles. Uh, shake and tumble don't treat me bad it's, yeah all i didn't wrote. know
1: shake and tumble was a single either and i remember i know that's a I weird single I, you yeah. know being <laughs> shit nothing little kid names Iowa, i thought i wasn't on the ground level having my cassette yeah. single of don't treat me bad but
0: that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> and then of course their signature power ballad love of a lifetime um the album was also this is the, another weird thing. This this band is another outlier for me. They, they were oddly met with critical acclaim in the 1990s, which is weird. So for what we
1: talk about, you don't get a lot of that. Yeah.
0: Uh, they, There's a pretty
1: hard cutoff around yeah. what we'll call the... Uh, this appetite for destruction um timeline of right
0: this was kind of when this kind of music was starting to be like wait a minute this stuff isn't very cool right or something we hadn't we hadn't um, reached the big
1: grunge thing but we had yeah. to hit this kind of weird nexus period of yeah. what's really new, happening new sounds right are now, coming you know? in yeah. and
0: all that and uh, but the band won the American Music Award for Best New Hard Rock and Heavy Metal Band of 1992. Metal Edge Magazine, beating Alice in Chains <laughs> and Nirvana, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? I mean- yeah. And Metal Edge Magazine's Best New Band of 1991, Young Guitar Magazine's Best Newcomer of 1991, and Music Life Magazine's Readers' Pop Poll Best Newcomer of the Year 1992. They've sold over seven million albums.
1: Hey, you I know, yeah. like.
0: I learned, yeah. I didn't. I had no idea how big a Firehouse actually was. Um, no, I
1: didn't either. Because I, yeah. I, I dug into it too, and like we say, you know, they never did a whole lot of changing to their sound, and they maintained this like whole audience right. elsewhere where they're yeah, yeah. Shit, and over well, t- done guys, and,
0: and over time, uh, they they're still. Part of popular culture, I've really underestimated this band. Uh, the, the, the song yeah. "Don't" the, the song "Don't Walk Away" was used in a scene of the 2008 movie "The Wrestler," directed by Darren Aronofsky, who is like yep. a great director. Um, the song "Overnight Sensation" was a part of the soundtrack in the video game "Brutal Legend," which is a video game we've talked that, about several times on this yes, show. Yes, that one <laughs> snuck up
1: on me because not having played "Brutal Legend," yeah. I've only become familiar with it as we've. Yeah. yeah, research this.
0: Yeah, uh, the song "Don't Treat Me Bad" was featured in episode two of the HBO Max series *Peacemaker* as the t- as John Cena's title character takes out the vinyl record and, and listens to that song. Which that which, means again, that John way,
1: Cena's character. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to this in a little bit in this episode. Clearly, but John
0: Cena's character yeah. has
1: some. Spending money, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And again, you should uh, fans of this show should watch the Peacemaker show because it is just the whole soundtrack of the entire show is hair metal. So, um, and researching all this stuff, I found that uh, guitarist Bill Leverty has released five solo albums. I saw that one of which is instrumental. Uh. Uh, so I'm super curious about that. I did. I didn't listen to it before we, before this. I I didn't. I didn't, no, didn't do all I, my homework. I haven't I guess, yet but, either, and I kind of feel uh, bad about
1: that now because yeah, after yeah. I watched some of the stuff about Bill, it's like man, I got to yeah. eat some shit about you know like how, what I thought maybe going into this, but
0: yeah. Uh, and in 2013, uh, Bill Leverty formed a super group called Flood the Engine, and Flood the Engine is composed of B- Leverty, uh, Jimmy Kunis, who was in Cactus. Uh, Keith Horn, who's played with Tanya Tucker, Waylon Jennings, Trisha Yearwood, and Luke Bryan. I know, is this not a bonkers like group
1: of cool people? And like,
0: Andre LaBelle, who played with Vinnie Vincent. <laughs> uh, Flood the Engine released their self-titled album, Flood the Engine, in 2013. That's, uh, that is a weird ass super group. Right? Uh, and, and that's a... Uh, I, yeah, I need to check that out too, because that's just too weird to not listen to. Uh... I also learned that C.J. Snare is a producer and recording engineer, but I, I looked at the list of stuff that he'd worked on, I didn't really recognize any of it. So, yeah, I,
1: it wasn't ringing bells with me either, and yeah. that's just, you know. Yeah, it, it sounds what, like he's
0: happy and successful, though, so. Absolutely. Uh, drummer Michael Foster filled in for warrant drummer Steven Sweet from December 2012 until February 23, while uh, Steven Sweet was recovering from a neck injury. Well, you know, and that's cool. actually,
1: you know, being one of those people who, like, goes and reads all the different, like, rock websites and the metal websites, yeah. you see a lot of that where so-and-so isn't going to be able to do this tour, so... So they get uh, someone else from another. One, uh, yeah. There There was a Def Leppard tour where I think... The way it panned out was Vivian Campbell wasn't available because he mm-hmm. was touring with Last in Line. Oh, okay. Which was his sure. his do tribute band yeah. with the last you know the, the the Holy Diver people. Yeah, and the uh, and the hologram. And I think they yeah no no that's the other one. Oh, the other, that's one. The okay. other one. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> but they had Steve Brown from Trickster fill in. Okay. For Vivian, because apparently Phil Collin has struck up a a kin a friendship okay. with the people from uh trickster okay uh, i did i didn't know about that um much the same okay. as he has with the people from tesla i
0: was gonna say like he's pr- done some production work and stuff yeah. With tesla, so...
1: He, so yeah you get a lot of that now with, where yeah so and so can't do this particular tour because there's a yeah. family commitment or i mean this other mm-hmm. band that already booked a tour then and so so and so comes and fills in and yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, Living color couldn't uh, uh, Corey Glover couldn't tour with him one time oh, because he was right. doing a Broadway show, and so Doug Pinnick from King's X came and sang, sang for him. It's like, man, I would man, love to see oh. that. <laughs> I would have been bummed to like not see Corey Glover, but but to see Doug Pinnick in his place, okay, right. yes, please, right. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd almost rather see Vernon Reed playing King's X, but that's okay. <laughs> right now, nah, yeah, yeah, oh man, that would be dope too. <laughs> uh, and bassist. Alan McKenzie was in a prog rock band called Quest, who once opened for Yes in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, um, which <laughs> in I liked. Like
2: it's such a
0: specific show. I know. I, know. <laughs> uh, I think this is very early in his career, but I thought sure. it was. Sure, no, was, that's yeah, cool, man. We're, we're, I we're digging dig, deep I've here. I've never opened <laughs> for Yes, so yeah. I mean you're one yeah. up
1: on me or yeah. several. Uh,
0: he was also in a hard rock band called Peace Tree. Who opened for Motley Crue, Sticks, Cinderella, and Neil Young, and he briefly worked with Janie Lane from Warrant when he was uh, promote when Janie Lane was going to promote his solo career. So he, he's got. I mean, so this is a. We're starting to get to well, get to the draw the, the bass player
1: now. The, the bass player from yeah. the the album we're talking about, he has been yeah. gone for many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Perry yeah. Richardson, who did yeah. uh, apparently is the guy who did all the high harmonies that we hear on this record. Oh yeah. When you, okay. when you listen to all uh-huh. the those tiers of vocals they have there. Yeah. Uh the, the the high notes, that's Perry Richardson. Yeah. He left the band in two thousand. Uh yeah. he toured with a whole bunch of other people. Yeah. And uh he's in Striper now. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's He's right. He's been in Striper mm-hmm. since 2017.
0: And and you were talking about those stacks of vocals in that uh, Bill Leverty video that we saw. On, and, and and we'll post this on uh, the face, the Facebook page so you guys sure, can yeah. watch the interview. Uh, but like, uh, um, he talks about how everybody in the band sings. Yep. Yeah, he says like you know, much ev- like
1: Def Leppard. Yeah. Ev- everybody in that band sings. Everybody
0: does. And so they, they, they and, and he said he thinks of them mostly as a vocal band. Well, and Which, when you listen to it, you, you can tell. To it, yeah. You can tell
1: that everybody is up there singing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuck out when I, when I was listening to it. But like uh, um, having him say that was like, oh, that's their secret weapon. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what are your memories of this album?
1: I don't know that I ever heard the whole album until many years after it was a thing. But I uh, I did buy the cassette single of "Don't Treat Me Bad." Okay. Uh, and that would have been either in late 90 or maybe early 91. But say, given the early, sort of maybe. ephemeral nature of the cassette single, I have to imagine I bought it in 1990. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, those don't stick around in stores very long and then they're gone. No. You know, there weren't really like used music stores that a freaking 10 year old kid was going to in yeah. 1990 in Ames, Iowa. Well, there was one, but I wasn't yeah. going to it yet. Uh so I had that, and then I remember that
0: single is such a weird medium. It is an odd <laughs> medium. It is. I can't believe that existed and was a thing.
1: You know, well, you know, I mean, you we buy get, a cassette we tape CD two singles. songs, you know, right? It seems there's no real reason for it, but it seems more wasteful than the. It's very the, wasteful, the, than the yeah. 12 inch single, or the CD single, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just.
0: Yeah, I don't know why, but it does seem. like guys cool. have a weird relationship
1: <laughs> with the cassette single. I also had a cassette single of Michael Damian's cover of "Rock On."
0: I had um, that too, actually. Oh,
1: what's <laughs> up, bro? Oh, cheers to that. Uh, but yeah, and then I remember taping the videos yeah. for "Don't Treat Me Bad" and all she wrote and "Love of a mm-hmm. Lifetime." I had because you know I used mm-hmm. to sit there and like obsessively tape videos off MTV, and I had mm-hmm. all those. And I thought they were a good band, and the other thing that happened was. You know, Their emergence just sort of coincided with my mm-hmm. hitting an age where I discovered all this other stuff, Yeah, and I'd already been spending, even for the kind of youngish age I was then, had already spent years with, with this particular type of sound. I started hearing all these new sounds, so I kind of went off into other stuff. So right. that's yeah. most of my memory of Firehouse's, the, 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 the tail end of my really being into this particular yeah. type of music for a little while. Yeah, they were like and
0: a they were like a really solid version of something you're already familiar with, but there right. were there were new sounds enticing you. So it just kind just slips
1: past or whatever, right? Because yeah. all the other things are happening. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, granted. So so what was
1: this? What yeah? What was Firehouse to you when it came out? Because you're yeah. you're looking at it a totally different way than I am in 1990.
0: Yeah, Uh yeah. I was, Uh like so I when, was 10 years old. Yeah, yeah, and I was in I was in college. Uh, so I, I know I, I know this uh, through mostly through my ex wife. Um, because she liked them, and uh, that's so weird based uh, on what you've just told me. And she is the one, and the reason that I had the Michael Damien (laughs) single, uh, single. yeah, is because she had told me about how she watched. Oh, I don't remember what soap opera it was Michael Damien was on. Uh, was it Young and the Restless or was it Bold and the Beauty? No,
1: no, because Bold, I think it was Young and the Restless.
0: Okay. Yeah, don't yeah. hold
1: it against me that I know that people. <laughs> I'm okay w- with being wrong about uh, that. Yeah,
0: I, I I've watched my fair share of The Young and the Restless. It's it's the soap opera I watch the most. But
1: oh, see me, my friend. We used to uh, get really into watching Passions because it was Passions? the it was on NBC. I've heard the, of that. And, and we used to go to work <laughs> at two in the afternoon and work till midnight, and that was our shift. And Passions was like the last show that was on that we could watch before we went to work. And okay. it was the weirdest fucking soap opera show because had like witches and like supernatural oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, like so you're sitting there watching it going, This is so weird. Yeah, middle afternoon soap operas are always
0: the weird ones and I don't know why. You no, know,
1: I mean it's one thing to <laughs> have like your it's like dark your, shadows your love and issues and your murders and things like that. But this had like some like yeah. weird shit where there was this witch who had this like little wooden doll that yeah. came to life much like in <laughs> much like Kim Cattrall and Mannequin only much smaller and a little boy instead of looking for love with Andrew McCarthy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, it's yeah. a bonker show. Like if you sat down and like explained yeah. what the story of that show was to somebody, they would yeah. be like, that doesn't really exist. No, that's stupid. That doesn't really exist, but it did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I don't remember the soap opera, but she told me about Michael Damien and she told uh, me about the Michael song. Damian. And so, like, I, I, I think I bought that single for her as, as like a gift or something. I got it for a birthday you know? present. Yeah. Mercifully, the Michael Damien fad yeah.
1: faded away pretty fast.
0: Yeah, it did. That was pretty much it. There was it. another single. I think there was one other single
1: after that one. I don't think it hit the top 40. It yeah. died away in the universe. Yeah. I mean, no offense. I'm sure he's probably a lovely person if you meet him or something like that. I don't yeah. know anything about Michael Damian, but, um,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Boy. Yeah. But no the, David
1: Essex was he. <laughs> no.
0: The, the, the Firehouse, though, I, I, I was sort of like, I mean, I was into like, you know, other, other hair rock at the time. I was, you know, when I was really into Mr. Big and like into, uh, you know, um,
1: Cause see, I still would have been all about like Bon Jovi and Def Leppard and Poison then. So this wouldn't have been like a stretch or anything.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a stretch, but like I think like. But I was already several
1: albums deep into into those other bands at the time.
0: Yeah, and and she's listening to much other stuff. So to, so like her listening to rock music was like she was listening to like the safer versions. As, as was sort of the what safer, was my yeah. was, was like my yeah. impression of it at the time. But I ended up like you know in retrospect, i uh, gone back and I realized she introduced me to a lot of good music because it was a you know um, my exposure to Firehouse. I don't think I appreciated it as much at the time. Uh, but then she also introduced me to Trickster and Slaughter and Enough is Enough which uh, you know and enough's enough actually that's a band and I kind of want to revisit we should at actually some point. probably
1: talk about all three of those bands that you right. just said right uh, yeah because I can honestly say that oh, okay I don't I think actually, I gave
0: them the chance to because I think because I kind of thought my ex-wife had shitty taste I had a cool promoter
1: hey <laughs> You know, some of the and, other and stuff might have sucked.
0: Yeah. And, and it's she probably, probably had not some, like Petra
1: records or some shit like she that. She had all the Petra records. Oh, uh, yeah. see, there you go. She's she safe took, to assume. Yeah,
0: she took me to Amy Grant. And, oh, God. Know,
1: see, yeah. see, it's just, that's that's just all rough. Yeah. But like, I had, a, <laughs> I actually had a promotional copy of the Trickster record. Oh, uh, wow. On vinyl. And at one point, had a Neil then, Adams like, cover. Yep.
0: From the the great, great comic and, book and artist. And I was like, nah,
1: dude, I don't know if I want to listen to this anymore. And now I'm like, well, I know why yeah. I sold it, because it was worth a lot of money, and I sold it for other records, Yeah, because that's the way the world works sometimes. I am sorry yeah. to Trickster. It wasn't anything personal. It was just the, the yeah. sort of transactional nature of what was happening that day, and I was inspired.
0: Yeah, I, but my memories of the, the Firehouse record is that it was sort of a being cheesy, um, and so I haven't listened to it in a long time. But when I but going back and listening to it for this, I was really fucking impressed by it, actually. Yep. Like I said at the outset, um, I
1: have to eat some shit on this record because I yeah. was kind of like, nah, man. I, don't th- I yeah. think this might be the first one we talk about where yeah. I'm just like, I don't know if which, I dig mean, this. You know, which is kind of nope, like... I'm
0: wrong. I mean, the whole point of our podcast is to reclaim these records, and I realize we're, we're now doing it within ourselves. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that maybe like the... You know, there's also like the effect of uh, um, doing the, the doing the podcast and stuff like that has maybe like given me more of an appreciation for exactly like, a deeper I, appreciation I, I for hair metal cool. and to, uh, know, So like any of my cheese filters or whatever I might have had. A good example uh, of that for I, me know. was
1: White Snake because you know I was yeah. never really like a big White Snake person. Yeah, uh, and I started digging yeah. into the album and like yeah. looking into the history and going, oh, yeah. this is actually pretty cool. You know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and, I always and, liked I David Coverdale in yeah. purple, so I was like, maybe yeah. you know, it's not as big of a jump as you think yeah. it is, and no, it mm-hmm. isn't. But
0: um, my oh, my overall thoughts on this album is that it's a uh, it, it's super slick. Like it's throughout, very slick. It's very, very slick, very well produced, and pretty great guitar shreddage. Actually, right? Uh, I was, I did not remember the guitar playing being as good as it is. It is, it is impressive guitar playing. There's a
1: lot of that sort it holds of up like way better uh, than
0: I remember. Where
1: you, you get that like
0: uh, Nuno Betancourt... Yeah, fills or quoting things. Yeah, Uh, in that in that in that video that you sent me, the interview, uh, he talks about how when he was doing his guitar solos, he triple tracked them the way that Randy Rhodes did because he was such a big Randy Rhodes guy, and so he said all of his solos were very very composed because he knew he was going to have to play them three times. And so, like you know, and and you can kind of hear that. I don't, they're I don't, very lyrical. Yeah, and, and they, it doesn't sound like three tracks because I mean, because he so he nailed the rhythm on stuff on it and all that. Yeah, and, and, the and they've all been
1: very well blended. Yeah, he, he played them exactly the same you
0: know. three times. I mean, nowadays you'd copy paste it probably to make three of them and you know. And then
1: you just like, offset them by those few microseconds right. to he, give it that kind of like everybody right. playing at the same time sound. Yeah. Right. Yeah, put but a little bit of but, reverb on it to cover yeah. up the.
0: But all the solos you hear, he played three times on this. He said on the. Mm-hmm. Uh, on their next record, he said in the in the video that he didn't do that. He said he he wanted to have just he wanted to play one solo and just like really nail it. And, so where and you and heard yeah, yeah, so you heard the nuance yeah. of the notes and whatnot yeah. as opposed to that yeah, but, that, but that perfect yeah yeah. But after listening to the album and like hearing and watching that video, my appreciation for his playing went even you know it was already pretty high. I was Absolutely, like, I damn. didn't
1: realize he was man, dude. Yeah, Bill, you are fucking good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's dig in absolutely uh, first song is rock on the radio um
1: but the big intro man i
0: love i, I might know i love the intro on this <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> and kind of ahead uh, of its time
1: i didn't i i wouldn't have expected that, that this is
0: sort of what dance music would become in a lot right? of ways and uh, stuff.
1: so yeah. yeah and amongst the albums we talk about that's a unique intro
0: it is a unique intro <laughs> yeah has a nice meaty riff uh has a very deaf leopard vibe i thought
1: it does and it's yeah. it's a uh, it's very very mid-paced for for like yeah. you know a lot of times on these records you lead with like the like a bruiser yeah. you know and yeah like, no we're gonna, we're gonna build into it man Like oh, yeah. that's cool yeah a lot of times you come
0: out swinging and they're just sort of like hey let's just, let's just chill out and party and, and this is yeah. a song
1: where you get levity like doubling up he's like playing yeah. the vocal line on his guitar in in one of the verses as as cj is singing he's doubling up the vocals with his guitar
0: yeah which is a very cool effect yeah like that's neat and mm-hmm.
1: I, I was. curious because I was sitting there listening to this and I was like, man, I think this is down tuned. I think this is like in a lower key. Yeah. And I pulled up the tab as we were listening, As I was listening yeah. to this. I'm like, yeah, dude, he, they're, they're in E flat. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's cool. Like- Which is cool. Makes it, it gives them that, that thicker sort of sound. And that's no. one
1: of the themes that ends up coming up in my notes. Is just like, wow, the guitars are really chunky in this. Like, <laughs> I, I yeah. wow, I did not see that coming.
0: Yeah, they sound way meaner than I remember. I remember them right? being like very light and poppy and There's stuff. Like There's they're tough. They're, edge to they're, these they're, guitars, they're, they're tough. Yeah, this is a tune about rock radio and how awesome that is. Uh, what more do you want? <laughs> you know. Uh, it has the guitar solo over a different chord progression bridge thing that's kind of a staple of hair metal uh, that we've talked about on the show and again extremely well produced this is you know great great way to start a song great way to start a record um, then we go into the second song all she wrote um, uh, tell me
1: does this does this does the chord progression sound like another band to you maybe
0: uh, I I I had the, the riff of this reminds me of rats round and round. Thank you. That's okay. my note. As is that well. your note?
1: Okay. <laughs> and I didn't even remember that at all. And I knew this. Song. I didn't either. Like, I was familiar with this song. Yeah. And like the, the, the yeah. chords start going, I'm like, yeah. Hey. Yeah. It totally <laughs> sounds like round and round. Ra- uh, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like a ripoff or anything, but it just like you know, there's a, there's definitely some similarities. Um, I like this song.
2: No, is cool. Uh, it, it, it's cool. It's a good, a good tune. song.
0: Uh, this is this is a tune about a guy who has left his partner um or he was left by his partner um just le- who just leaving him a letter and he's trying to understand why he got this letter. Like, you know, all she wrote is like about like she wrote him this letter just saying I left you and all that stuff. He's going like, what the hell? Uh but that's kinda I, like that show Dear John with Judd Hirsch. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was sort of ahead of its time in a way. Um yeah, and fine. I can I can see why critics like these guys. That's that's that, that's you know, I thought that's good writing, you know. That's
1: a different angle. Hey, yeah.
0: And there's some good guitar choppage going on. No, kidding.
1: Some of the guitar heroics in yeah. this are... Like our first yeah. rate,
0: yeah, and it's catchy as fuck. I mean, uh, there's a, a lot of the vocals are in the super high range. It's just it's kind of an impressive song.
1: Once again, then that's everybody singing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: it has that great thick sound, and it doesn't yeah. sound like the the singer just double tracked or triple tracked or quadruple tracked himself. Yeah. It's yeah. literally all these different voices hitting, and it's it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, uh, and we're not even into the hits yet. Nope. <laughs>
1: Although well there was a video for this. I mean it was it yeah. didn't it didn't make the top forty. It peaked out at like number fifty eight or whatever, but it yeah. had a it had a video that had decent rotation for the time that it came out in.
0: Oh, okay. I'm glad I got some cred then. That's you know yeah, it's a good
1: deal Yeah, I I, I recorded yeah. this video off of uh I think Headbanger's Ball I taped this off of.
0: Oh shit. I need. Well, to, you know, I need to go see that well, video then. Headbangers yeah. had
1: that sort of mix of like playing like metal, metal and yeah. brutal stuff, but then also playing things like this or Faster Pussycat or or something right. else. So they they yeah. kind of actually they, they hit a lot of stuff.
0: Uh, then we got Shake and Tumble. Um, this was the first single. Um, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't chart, but it, it was. A pretty, I'm, I'm
1: guessing it was like more like a regional promotional single. Yeah, it, it gave them the some waters. radio
0: play. They they got radio play off of it.
1: I think they um, might be talking about sex in this song. I wasn't sure. I looked yeah. up and read the lyrics.
0: Who knows? Maybe
1: they were talking about playing Yahtzee. I don't know. Uh, uh
0: the song has cowbell. So I made that same note. It obviously should it, it <laughs> so, obviously should have been a fucking hit.
1: <laughs> I, I said the same thing, it has cowbell, so it's awesome. Uh
0: it else it, it for me it has like a sort of a Motley Crue feeling to it, like vocally. Um, yes, and and has a really nice guitar solo, and 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 I made the, I kind of wanted to play some of this. Oh, tear it up! Uh, yeah, let's let's check some of this out. Shake it, Main riff kind of reminded me of uh, um, Living Colors' Cult of Personality a little bit. And I'm trying to decide if we should cover that album or not because I don't I I... want
1: to talk about it, but my fear is that most of the people. Right. don't want to hear us talk about it but I yeah, really want to talk it's, about it I, it's, it's, it's been mentioned in a couple messages I think
0: yeah but it's not really hair metal but I kind of want to talk about when it. we when we make a
1: post about this please let us know how you'd feel about yeah. talking about living Color we'll because a vote. oh my god I love that album so much me I, too uh we we went and saw living color in 2021 yeah. I think in the fall yep in Omaha and yeah. it was one of the most amazing sets I've ever seen those Same. guys are some of the most sick musicians like ever
0: yeah. I went and bought all of their albums after that yep yep
1: <laughs> Well, I've been slowly buying them on wax because
0: because yeah, I got the, CDs. The, I guess the second so. album
1: kind of cost me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I had to shell out, and I, I I bought an original pressing of the, of the uh, Biscuits EP too because
0: yeah, there's some great covers on there. Have, and, oh yeah. yeah,
1: there is. They do Talking Heads and fucking yeah. Bad Brains and like yeah, holy shit. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so please request Living Color. Bro. We're drinking Minnesota beers
1: in <laughs> right. uh, honor of the Minnesota Festival. This That's is right. Surly Furious. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite beers ever.
0: Yeah, same.
1: Uh, my friend Seth first turned me on to this going, going to shows up in Minneapolis. and uh, So, yeah, if when you're in Minnesota at the festival this coming weekend. Drink Surly. Have some Surly. It's wonderful. <laughs> we're not paid for this, by the way. No, not yet. The spirits have just been flowing, so we're feeling... You know, nice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll run We're into a yet. Surly. Rep. Surly, pay us yeah. the money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh this next song is sponsored by Surly. It's called <laughs> It's Called Don't and Treat this Me is Bad. The Surly of
1: the Album. Brought to you by Surly yeah. Brewery.
0: Yeah. Uh Don't Treat Me Bad is, uh, charted at number 14. I love the sound of the acoustic guitar at the intro of this song. You know, I was
1: actually, you know, because there's a lot of times where where, uh, a Acoustic guitars during this era have this weird, like, processed sound. Right. And the right. sound of the strings I don't like very much. Same. But
0: this one, do yeah. Those are great. And for they seem like a slick band. It seems like you would expect processed. But it's a very crappy sounding it's a very acoustic, raw acoustic guitar. It's really nice. But yeah, yeah. I said
1: it's my it, this. I said this song was my intro to the band, and it was probably yours too. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's another catchy as fuck hit kind of scenario impressive vocals and guitar playing as as well as the arrangement uh, it has a nice swagger to it too with as these little chromatic jumps in it um, and another pretty sweet guitar solo in it. I like the um, fact that
1: yeah, yeah uh, Bill talks about this. It's it's mm-hmm. not like your standard pentatonic solo. It's no, a major key solo. It is. Uh, CeCe DeVille does this a lot too yep. where he's yep. like no I'm not going to do pentatonics. I'm going to go up yeah. and do a, like a major key solo because that yeah. just changes your whole like yeah you know pattern and everything you know.
0: That, that post-bridge part, that post-bridge solo, made me think of uh, Boston's More Than a Feeling, uh, which is like exactly what you're talking about, which which I think is good company to be in. I, I mean, mean, honestly, it, yeah. You know, for production well, you know, and, and all that stuff.
1: The chord progression sort of begins and ends at the same spot. It's a little more yeah. active than the Boston one, but... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. again, there's only 12 <laughs> tones in a goddamn scale, so I mean, you know, what are you going to
0: do? And some super sweet, super high vocal Harmony yeah. That stuff. is uh thank from Man. what from
1: what Bill said, that's Perry Richardson hitting those those big high notes yeah. back there that, that yeah. really round out those massive harmonies. Yeah, it's
0: like holy
1: shit. And uh yeah, this was a uh this hit number nineteen on the top forty. So when people talk about uh, uh, one-hit wonders, this band was not a one-hit wonder.
0: No, they actually no.
1: they had top forty charting singles from 1990 all the way till 1995. Yeah, for for the uh, what we'll say the target demographic of our podcast is that's weird.
0: It is pretty weird. Yeah, did, did
1: Motley Crue have a top forty song in 1995? Yeah, no. Yeah, no, they did not.
0: <laughs> yeah, at, at some point we should have uh, somebody who knows how to make like you know charts and venn diagrams and stuff do like a chart of that kind of stuff of like the bands like when they started and when they ended right and, and watch well, the overlap because, because of it's stuff. weird
1: because there's some bands that sort of and like seed. weathered
0: like, it a little bit and yeah yeah like which band would have like the the most longevity throughout all of that that, that was def still leppard. probably def the leppard the answer is def leppard yeah yeah well honestly if you, honestly, if you look, kiss
1: kiss uh I guess, what do we mean by longevity? Still touring or do we mean like chart singles yeah, success? Yeah, we'd, we'd have to work if that out too. If we're talking about chart singles, it's Def Leppard.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet you're right. I bet it is if you Def remember, Leppard. we
1: get into grunge and Def Leppard just keeps yeah. kicking out these songs that we all
0: remember. That's true. Like for That's an true.
1: oddly kind of like long stretch of time.
0: Yeah. You I'm think? trying to think if there's anybody we're not thinking of, but like, I think you're right. I think you're probably right, Def Leppard. Because Cause cause they started earlier like than people Rosa's think. Guns N' Roses already think. sort of yeah. stumbled.
1: Uh, I guess Bon Jovi still made songs all through the 90s that would be songs that you would probably yeah. remember. Like, if somebody was to put it on, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that song. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: you gotta give it up for Bon Jovi. You're right. Oh, yeah. I'm
1: not giving it up for them. They were popular. Yeah. Well, I'm, still, uh, I'm still not a Bon Jovi guy. I'm, I'm not a Bon Jovi guy. No, 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 I'm sorry.
0: But the fact that they're popular, is what, that's what but we're... But
1: they were yeah, popular. Yeah, they were yeah. very successful.
0: Uh, after that, though, after the big hit, uh, Ought to Be a Law, um. I gotta be honest, the intro of this reminded me of the president of the USA's Peaches um, a little bit. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't even make that connection. Uh, but it,
1: Holy shit, uh, dude, that's
0: wonderful. But, but but it changes pretty quickly after that. Uh, you know, I, I like the grindy guitar riff on this, I like the lyric twist on this in some ways about uh, women being too sexy. Like these, these guys are almost. I actually
1: wanted to mention that yeah. because, you know what, we've talked yeah. about an album that has almost the same song and almost the same spot on the record. Oh, yeah? Uh, Which one? uh, We talked about Warren's first album. Oh,
0: yeah! okay and yeah they
1: have a song called so damn pretty should be against the law yeah yeah oh yeah. you're this right hit. you're and right And i started looking at the lyrics and going oh shit we've talked oh, about this song right. already
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i was giving no that. offense anybody yeah. cause this was
1: a great uh, fun yeah. song and i thoroughly enjoyed yeah. listening to it
0: yeah i was giving firehouse some uh pretty big props because <laughs> being like uh almost kind of like hair metal subversive in in, in the but way no, that they yeah because yeah, yeah uh
1: the previous year 19 cause Yeah. The first Warren album's '89, right? I think yeah, it was, it was
0: earlier than this. Yeah, I'm
1: sorry. We take notes, and then sometimes the, that stuff slips away because we're on to the next record, we're on to the right. next thing. And yeah, but uh, I, I think need more Warren's RAM. album was. You're, <laughs> we need more RAM. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first Warren was '89, uh, <laughs> and yeah, they had this song in almost the same spot on the album. But you know what? You know what that shows? Hmm. It works. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a good point though. That's a really good it
1: shows that it works there.
0: Yeah. Uh, then we've got "Lover's Lane." Um, lyrically, this one's a throwback a little bit. It's, it's talking about getting a blowjob while driving and having sex in a car somewhere. I think. Uh, which Nobody is ever
1: makes songs about having sex in a car.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like, uh, but the background vocals on this. This song, they really show I, I mentioned that, too. They really you bust can, out the background vocals. You can tell that they worked on those. And you know? the other
1: thing was, you know, when I first saw the song title and I saw that because, you know, this is the tail end of when albums were still kind of made with the idea of them being on an LP where you have, like, right. a side opener, a side closer, the side yeah. two intro intro. And this really does sound like a song that closes a side. It and does, I, yeah. honest to God, when I saw the name of the song, I thought we were going to get a ballad that closed outside A.
0: Oh, when yeah. When I saw that. And yeah. the song
1: started and went, wait a minute, there's yeah. a double bass shuffle at the beginning of this? Like,
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Huh, right on. Uh, the double bass yeah. really surprised me because dude's been yeah. pretty reserved in his drum work.
0: Yeah. And, then, know, and, then, mean, then, he, the, and then he pulls to, it out. To, to the
1: credit of the songs and everything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was waiting for that, and it, it, it as the song develops, I'm like, yeah, this was clearly made to close a side of a record, and I really like that. Yeah, uh, this is this is a great tune. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it might be my favorite song on the first side, honestly, yeah. just because it's so well placed and it it rocks and it's actually yeah, uh, very unique amongst all the songs in the first half.
0: It is yeah, and it and it probably has. My favorite guitar solo on the album, so I want to play it.
1: Love (laughs) it. I, I noted this one, too.
0: there that's cool
1: i mean right what uh-huh.
0: yeah yeah that's that that kicks ass that that that's up there with uh actually hair metal solos and so you know i don't i don't think this guy is getting like you know nearly the no his, his come up instead that and that's that that's be like getting. been my
1: whole revelation of this episode yeah. is is
0: yeah, Firehouse turned me into a fanboy, which is so weird. <laughs> I just, yeah. wow. Yeah. I didn't realize
1: that the guy just fucking smokes, man. Those yeah. solos are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: next up is Home is Where the Heart Is uh, at 4 minutes and 48 seconds. It's the longest song. Um, uh,
1: my first comment was, uh, Wakeman what with his solo, with this intro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: the, the they bust out yeah. some
1: uh, they bust out some synths, man,
0: some key. And and actually, uh, to your point about that being the end of a side one, uh, I have on the beginning uh, this one. I didn't check the vinyl ver- version, but this feels like a beginning of a side two kind of song. <laughs> well, it's a twelve song record, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 and so, yeah. So yeah, I see that that uh, was apparently was...
1: C.J. snare playing those
0: keyboards. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Uh, uh, uh,
1: what uh, I think I yeah. think uh, Bill talks about it in either the the video we watched or another interview I was reading he's like what people don't yeah. realize about CJ is like no he's like dude can play some fucking keyboards like he's a no joke like pianist
0: i had to note, there uh, there's some creative use of synths on the intro And that's there. all that's
1: all CJ Snare. Wow, he's okay. the only credited uh key player on this album. Huh. So any key work you that's hear so is that singer man that's pretty fucking awesome, right? I mean, yeah, because like, that intro is is cool. So he's like, got like
0: key, keys as like his backup plan, and case yeah. singing didn't work yeah, for no, him. Or no, no, Bill mentioned he's like, no, dude, he's like a he's wow. like a pro
1: ass keyboard player. It's just that Dang. he wants to just a vocalist here, you know? Yeah. So that it's great. Uh,
0: I also I also thought that there, there's some advanced level guitar playing on this one. Yeah, there's I'd also say. more uh, a <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
1: uh, dude also busts out some like double bass on this tune. Yeah. Also.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another. There's,
1: there's not a lot of double bass in the, in the records that we talk about ever. No, that's true. That doesn't come up much. That's true. If if we missed double bass stuff on a previous record, by all means, let us know. But like, I don't you, think there has just, been much. You, it's not really a thing that you get a lot of then.
0: No, and some that,
1: of those moves that he's doing, yeah. no, that's not one foot, dude.
0: Yeah, that that was sort of like I started hearing more of that after Metallica, like you know, really hit big and stuff like that. Well, that sure, that seemed to be like more like. Within, after that, I and, mean,
1: and like you know. Tommy Lee had
0: yeah two that's bases, true. but
1: no. you didn't get a lot of it. No, I mean, Live Wire maybe or something like that. But yeah, this no. guy busts out his double bass a lot. That yeah. being said, I'm not a huge fan of the drum tones on this record.
0: They're pretty processed, actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, I guess... Big, I, I, they're I, big gated 80s I, drums. I, I understand yeah. why that snare sounds like appealing and everything, but yeah, I, I struggle...
0: The drums do not sound very raw. That's, that's a good know, point. You uh, know, that
1: appetite for destruction a, drum sound, that sounds yeah. like a guy just bashing away on a drum kit. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. still got a little bit of... Studio magic on it, but yeah, uh, yeah. There's that, a, that's not like the, like I, I'm not blaming the drummer for that or anything like that.
0: It's right? Just, yeah. yeah, like the guitars sound like more like real and authentic to me, and the drums sound more processed. Oh, I, you know, you run into, you run into um, a lot of, and uh, some of the bass too a little bit. You know,
1: in the some 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 of the uh, some of the the glam stuff mm-hmm. or whatever from you know like '87 through '90, you start mm-hmm. getting a lot of these really big drums where you're like are you playing
0: pads man yeah (laughs) yeah yeah phil collins drums basically yeah
1: yeah yeah gating wasn't always awesome i'm sorry no (laughs) but you know what you also made a double platinum record i've never made a double platinum record so
0: right yeah uh yeah uh and i had a note uh, by this point in the album i'm actually wondering why these guys aren't bigger (laughs) <laughs> you know they really seem to have it all I mean I guess they're actually huge in terms of album sales and stuff well yeah so, because we should accept this was a double platinum record right yeah so it was huge but like I don't I don't hear them like talked about in the same sort of like tones and stuff well, like that well no because as, we'd
1: already seen like the the journalistic yeah. shift
0: yeah yeah right so and, yeah.
1: and and through no fault of their own they got swept under a yeah. rug of, of journalistic shift
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and there's some great soloing on this, too. I think we should play it. I feel like we're gushing over. Let's Let's do it. Let's play the solo. I like those palm-muted things there. That's cool.
1: the Perry just running up and down there. (laughs)
0: It's kind of like the perfect hair metal ballad that's not quite a ballad. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like, you know, emotional rocker or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Don't Walk Away. Um, this is another song that is lyrically a step above, I think. It's talking about how he, he doesn't want his partner to leave him. Uh, it also sounds like meaty and badass yeah I thought it was Dash. odd to hear because this is
1: a, yeah. as close as they get to doing like uh what you would call it like kind of like a standard bluesy type rhythm
0: right yeah but it's really slick it is it like, is
1: even more slick than you know rats right. tendencies with bluesy licks
0: I, I put that I could hear a Cinderella playing this song actually this thing even like there, when, when Cinderella went bluesy.
1: Like the Cinderella stuff isn't quite Quite as slick.
0: It's not quite as slick. That's true. Uh, yeah, and slick I think and that's blues, more of like kinda... a producer
1: choice thing. Yeah, because you know with the Rat, you have like Bo that's Hill, true. who, who even though he's an '80s producer, he did it wasn't quite as gussied up. I don't remember now who uh. produced the Cinderella record because now I have to think of it off the top of my head and it, it's
0: not coming to my. It's head. It's not coming to me either. Yeah. If you told
1: me it was Bo Hill, I would just probably yeah. just believe you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but uh, It was. Um, <laughs> I guess you know, given what we've seen from Dave, David Prater, I guess. I guess. That it yeah. makes
0: sense. That it's a little, little yeah. shinier, maybe. Yeah. Um. Then we've got uh seasons of change, which is which is a uh, it's like a minute and a half. It's like the shortest song, uh, but it's really fucking cool acoustic guitar parts. Um, some like really good guitar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like <laughs> Tesla levels, which of, of guitar playing. Right. It does kind of have that. a Frank
1: Hanany kind of feel yeah. to it. in yeah. Some of it.
0: Lots of cool harmonics. Uh, This is definitely a studio production, though. Oh, absolutely. That sound doesn't exist in nature. Yeah, I can't imagine that they ever thought about doing this live. But, but, yeah, very, very cool song. Um, And then Overnight Sensation. This song was the B-side of the cassette single to Don't Treat Me Bad. Oh really? Okay, I,
1: I'm okay. amazed. I remember that because I haven't <laughs> had that that's a strong
0: memory for yeah.
1: twenty some twenty years or something like that. But yeah, that was mm. the B side of my casingle. Uh,
0: that's right. This podcast is gonna just uh, uniformly bring back the term casingle. single. <laughs> tell your friends. It was a real word. <laughs> uh, I had uh, like a note. I'm not sure what the angle is on this one. Uh, maybe it's sort of written to be self-encouraging or something. Um, great, great performances throughout. Um, great vocal harmony lines. Uh, you know, a great fucking chorus and super tight playing, and another cool solo part. You know, I mean, it's one yeah. I wish this song had closed the album. Yeah, because
1: I like a really nice strong album closer. That's a Not, good idea. Honestly, that, the last song is a, is a, is a good song, and we'll get to it when we get yeah. to it. Yeah. But this song, I would have loved to have had closed. That's just yeah yeah my particular no that's a good uh, yeah i would agree with that because it's like totally badass and rocking and and like to just go out on that would have been so cool
0: no i agree yeah yeah who do we need to talk to
1: (laughs) we um you know what i'm going to talk to their management and say like so when you reissue this because you know you should listen to me because i'm nobody right yeah uh,
0: and here's how you cut this record right We, we think you, uh, you, you you messed up your track listing here. It's a sequencing <laughs> issue, sir. But, but we fixed it. <laughs> Maybe you could sell a few albums now.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, our okay. collective uh-huh. album sales total um, one-tenth right. of one-tenth of their latest album. Right. But uh, you should listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Uh, and then uh, Love of a Lifetime. Which is, We've hit the big one. Yeah, this is their third and most successful signal, single. It uh, reached number three, selling over 500,000 copies. Number
1: three. Half I a mean, million. There's not a lot of other non-Guns yeah. and Roses uh, and songs of the sort of rockish era that no,
0: get that high. And it's weird that this is buried so deep in the album. Right? They really held it back. That's this is a, that's song kind of 11. Impressive. You're right. Uh, yep. and, and scanning the lyrics, I'm surprised this isn't like a bigger wedding song. I mean, it's a solid, straightforward love tune. I'm saying
1: it was a big wedding song, actually, just not now.
0: Okay. Maybe it was back in the day. That's a good point. And what I'm also, yeah.
1: my note was, you yeah. know, you absolutely know this blew the fuck up the proms in yeah. like the early 90s. It like seems like before, it had to yeah. Before Alternative took over. Yeah. Like there was like a moment where this song was probably like in all the proms, right? Right. I Come bet on. you're right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a big like prom and wedding song and stuff like that. Um great vocal performance.
1: And big pick slides
0: before the chorus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I noted it every time. Yeah. Like, all right, that's a big old
0: uh some guy. great harmonized guitar parts at the end, uh before it modulates up to make it most triumphant.
1: Well, yeah. No, I mean, no, if it if the who taught us anything great. is for your last chorus, you move up a step.
0: Yeah, yep, you gotta go up. Yeah, we can thank Pete Townsend for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah 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 well well written song and amazing to me that they buried it this deep in the album like the, the song before the last one and our last song helpless uh th- not the neil young song i was gonna say this is a neil young cover it's also
1: not the diamond head song it's also not a cover of yeah. metallica's cover of the um, diamond
0: song yeah. yeah it's a it's a nice mean sounding riff uh and again a nice turn of things lyrically. Um, This guy is saying he's helpless without his partner. And so that's a lot of vulnerability, I thought, for like this time period. You know, for all of these like macho like hair metal songs and stuff that we usually get. Um, This song also slaps because it's uh, really driving. There's a cool ass, I mean, all these cool ass -ass guitar parts. And the chorus vocals
1: are so like uniquely produced among all the sort of gang yeah the Vocals The gang harmony yeah. vocals On the album When you listen to that Like well, You know Because usually CJ Kind of stays in there yeah. As like one of the main hooks Of like a chorus Or something But uh-huh. you get these moments Where it's all Like harmony vocal Yeah And it has like This really weird uh, Almost like Ethereal effect On a, a rock song Which is It's just Yeah huh, Right on guys
0: as, Yeah I, I had a note That the, some of the guitar And vocal stuff Oddly reminded me Of Judas Priest <laughs> which is saying something you know I mean there's no um, way these guys didn't listen to Judas priest right yeah yeah uh and and it has possibly the best guitar moment on the album and and some of the highest vocal moments too um, oh yeah <laughs> yeah so let's, let's 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 do let's check it out
1: yeah this, this- this section is not far off from, like, British Steel. Yeah, exactly. And the solo so brief. It is so brief. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it's not your stand... Yeah, the, it just comes in and just... Does yeah. this really excellent business and gets out, That's which makes cool. me wonder if they
0: were like trying to groom it for being a single or something like that. But I don't know. Yeah, but again, it's at the end and it's like, yeah, it's
1: it's kind of weird that it wasn't a single because it has a lot of the trademarks of like you know something in the world of like you know late eighties early nineties rock radio is exactly what you would want to like have on the radio.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we should talk about
1: some vinyl. Oh my gosh, let's do. As noted previously, sort of several times over in the episode, because the album came out in 1990, it's kind of a thing where we see that change to where CD is the dominant format. Yeah. So the thing is, it's never actually been issued on vinyl in the US. And as a result, <laughs> as we've stated before, we like to have pictures of us holding a record all lovingly. You know, right. Because it's indulgent and it's fun.
0: and uh, We're big vinyl fans.
1: We're big vinyl fans. People need hobbies. And some of us also are nerds and like the indoors. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> it turns out <laughs> that vinyl collecting is <laughs> very... Uh, <laughs> it works hand-in-hand with those things. Uh, it's an enabler. So... <laughs> Uh it, it it was released in like the Netherlands on vinyl and in Brazil and Spain and oh, that's wow. kind of it. Okay. Uh and honestly there's like a huge gap in it just being available in general. Um the last run of issues of it there was a, a, a Spanish, a Brazilian, and an Argentinian LP in nineteen ninety one. Wow, And then the album sort of fades away until Japan releases a CD in 2008 eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has, uh, J- the Japanese album has very unique artwork, too, that doesn't, isn't replicated anywhere else. Uh, and then I see in, in England, it got a CD reissue in 2012, so we're still not even to a vinyl reissue yet, and... That's where this kind of becomes a shaggy dog story, admittedly, um, <laughs> <laughs> because, um, yeah, it gets, re- it gets reissued a few times in, in Europe. There's a two-CD version in France, which I have not dug into, but there's two unofficial United States reissues on vinyl So, we don't know who it is that pressed them or who sourced them or where they come from. So, they're not official and they're probably hard to get your hands on. So, yeah, the. uh,
0: This album sold, it was double platinum, so it sold 2 million albums, mostly CDs apparently.
1: Mostly CDs? Wow. Uh, Like I said, there are LPs out there. And I did think that we should like lock down an LP copy for this, but then when I saw that the cheapest one I would be able to acquire was like a hundred and fifty dollars, I was like, yeah
0: yeah, that's a lot is, for this one is, record. This is-
1: and we keep it free
0: we keep it free for
1: you so that we're not beholden to anybody and we can say fuck without being demonetized
0: (laughs) also cheers once more to Surly cheers Surly Uh, so
1: yes the the end of the vinyl history lesson is if you have a copy on vinyl I'm very jealous of you
0: and you're very lucky
1: because
0: Hey, if you I have a afford. picture of your, if you, if you yeah, send us pictures of you with your firehouse albums because that way we that can. That would like, be awesome. Yeah, we would love to see those.
1: Because yeah, I really tried to have one for make this, us jealous. It's expensive.
0: <laughs> All right, now let's talk about some gear, and I'm excited for this uh, edition of it. I think this is going to be the edition, best edition of Gear Talk yet. Oh shit! Yeah. So, throughout, I'm going to start out with a preface and then and then I've got like kind of a nugget here. Uh, throughout the 90s, uh, Bill Leverty held an endorsement deal with Yamaha Guitar Development. Uh, he played the Yamaha Pacifica model for 16 years. Um, uh, at, on July 4th, 2006, Grim USA announced that Leverty signed an exclusive endorsement with the guitar manufacturer, and they produced the Bill Leverty Free Radical model. So he's had his own signature model guitar. I, I haven't heard of Grimm USA. I haven't either, but that but the fact name that he has, makes me uh, think it's um, one of
1: those companies where, oh, no, a, you don't just go buy one of those. Yeah. You contact these people, and they, make and they it will for make, you. make you a guitar right. that will be available when it's done. That's the impression I have, uh, too. So, dude,
0: yeah. good job. But he has, he has a signature model. That's cool so, as hell. Yeah. Uh, in 2012, um, he began working with C.R. Alsip Guitars and became the guitar manufacturer's first endorseee. Uh He worked hand-in-hand with C.R. Alsip's master luthier and owner, Jake Willoughby, in the prototyping stages. And soon after, um, Liberty's C.R. Alsip guitar, known as Lucky 13, was born. Uh, His second one, Goldie, was pictured on his fourth solo album, Drive. Uh, And I found a gear page where it says that he uses these fractal multiprocessor pedals. Um, These are pretty cool because they have, like, two DSP chips on board. Uh, One is dedicated to amp modeling and another to effects. What? What? And the modeling is, from the reviews I read of it, is supposedly next-level stuff, and they've won a bunch of awards. Uh, I'm kind of, like, really curious about this as a guitar player, where I had not heard of, like, these uh, no. these before, but they sound... I'm a bass player, so you're already yeah. leagues yeah. beyond they, what I can they, even they, comprehend. They sound pretty fucking amazing, uh, though. They, and they look really cool. They're, like, these little, like, rack-mount kind of things, but, you know. Uh, and And here's my nugget. Uh, while while I was Googling shit, um, I found a gear page where someone asked if anyone knew how they got the sound on this album. And uh, Bill Leverty replied to it. Oh, <laughs>
1: shit. You did find this?
0: A uh, yeah, this felt especially nerdy and especially thorough. And it's a little long. Uh, but I think it also makes this the best gear talk segment yet. So I'm, I'm gonna read this. This is just B- oh, Bill Leverty's words. Now. So I, I yeah. don't know what this is. So yeah, I, I yeah. haven't heard about this before we recorded, guys. Yeah, so. yeah. This is the this is his whole thing about about recording the album. Uh, the rhythm guitars for the first album were a combination of stereo pairs of Fender Bassman, Soldano SLO 100, and my modified '70s Marshall Mark II lead. So I recorded the same thing six different times. The pre's were all Nev 1073s, and they used 57s on my Marshall 4x12. I triple-tracked the solos with my Marshall. We had talked about that before from right, the video. Yeah. Uh, on the Hold Your Fire album, so this is like the second album, uh, we added yet another stereo pair of rhythm guitars to the wall of guitars using Prater's Music Man Head. So that was eight times Aww. I had to play the rhythm tracks. I did single-track solos for that album, which made my fingers less fatigued. For the rhythm tracks for both albums, I didn't use any pedals before the head. That is also kind of stunning. Uh, what? I didn't use any no that, yeah, pedals no before pedals. the head. Yeah. I used uh, Doug's old Gibson acoustic for Don't Treat Me Bad and Love of a Lifetime intros. The bass amp was an SVT. Um You have an SVT, I do. It's (laughs) sitting in that room in in, in a closet right now. They also used a DI, as I recall. Uh, As I recall, they had a way of recording drums that was pretty out of its time. They put triggers on the kit and mic'd it up. The triggers printed spikes to the 2-inch tape, and then when they played back the tape, the spikes would trigger a sampler. They blended a bit of the reel with the sample at mix time. Okay, that explains a lot of the drum sound. Using Simpty offsets to get the phase together. Um, Sempty code is like, I'm trying to, like, there's not a really good way to explain it. Uh, but, uh well, after I've had a few beers, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sempty code was like this way to like basically sync stiff stuff up in the early days of music recording. So the fact that the, it was kind of like using a click track in a way, uh, early, but using early on. And so I can only imagine it was an enormous pain in the ass. Is that, that's my interpretation. In the that, tape basically. era? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they blended. So they used They used the original to trigger a sample, and then they blended uh, the two together uh, to get the phase together, which is an wow. interesting thing. Uh, I was unable to be present for the mix due to touring obligations, but as the project went along, I got to see how they did it. David and Doug put together those drum samples as a combination of several samples they had in their libraries. As I recall, the snare sample has a little bit of the tom sample in it. They were very clever, to say the least. Okay, I can totally
1: hear that now. They're, they're, now that you say that, yeah, yeah, I can hear that there's a tom sample in the
0: snare. The snare, snare now. samples yeah. has a little bit of the tom sample. Yeah, uh, their mixes are slash were excellent. The albums were mastered by Vlado at Sony's mastering studio. So that's like a walkthrough by the man himself of everything and it was just sort of like, that seems really weird to like come across that.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad you found that. And this was like on a forum or something?
0: Yeah, it was on a recording forum. Yeah. He just replied to to something. Uh, yeah, he, he seen uh I mean, based on that video that you sent me and then and also like his his uh Response to that, he just seems like a very chill, very cool guy, and just like you know, happy to engage with the world. He just also happens to be an incredible guitar player and yeah. you know, and musician, and on and on. So. I'm so
1: glad we ended up bumping this one up in our uh, uh order of albums that we've yeah. kind of been talking about because uh, yeah, as far as you know, having things revealed to you that you just did not know about something. This, right yeah this, this is way up <laughs> this is up there with like when i listened to the white snake album and was like okay this is so much better than i thought it was like yeah you know from my stupid little memories from when i was a kid
0: yeah
1: uh so yeah. i'm i'm really glad that everybody out there like kept asking yeah thanks thanks for
0: pushing ones. us on this one man
1: yeah because i i i wouldn't have even thought about doing this one originally and that's yeah. that's totally on me
0: yep same yeah so thank you guys and thank you so much thank you for listening uh, and uh, we will talk to you soon later